0: Elliot Friedman's coaching rumor mill in Winnipeg, plus the opening nights of the NHL playoffs. Hello everybody. Hi. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. I am conflicted. I am conflicted. And no, I'm not talking about whether or not I should have pasta for the fifth time this week. That is a decision that, yeah, as you might tell, I, I made pretty easily. And good to have you back on the episode, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for listening, but... I am conflicted as to how I feel right now about the Winnipeg Jets after the latest non-answer press conference from Jets general manager Kevin Cheveldayoff. Now, I know the majority of the Winnipeg Jets fan base is not conflicted whatsoever, and, and they are quite unhappy with the tone of that press conference to go along with the content and, and what was said. Because it clearly didn't echo the temperature that the fan base is at right now. I mean, they're coming off the most disappointing season in franchise history, 2.0, arguably, considering the expectations going in. And there didn't seem to be a lot of urgency or concern for where the team is at in their current state right now. And I guess the reason that I'm so conflicted about how I feel about what was said is... I guess the easiest way to put it is, I understand why they said what they said, why Kevin Chevalieroff said what he said, but I don't necessarily agree with it. So let's get into it here. We'll talk about some of the comments made by Chevy during that press conference, and then we'll get into the rest of the episode before we kind of officially kick off some more off-season talk next week and maybe go into some coaching names and potential personnel changes that could be on the horizon sometime soon speaking of that I think it's fair to say what most people were the most intrigued by was going to be how Kevin Sheveldayoff handled or what his thoughts were on essentially a large chunk of the team's high-end players openly revolting against the way things have been done by management and coaching over this Let's just, let's just limit it to this season, for example, right? We've heard pointed comments and criticisms from Ehlers, Connor, Morrissey, Pionk, and then Paul Stasny dropping the bomb after the Kraken game as well. You know, how would Chevy address that? Would he shy away from it or would he deal with it head on? And shockingly, in my opinion, it was spun as a positive. I, I couldn't believe it. I I really couldn't believe that that was the route that Chevy wanted to go with Paul Stasny calling certain players selfish and lacking respect to their fellow teammates. Nikolai Ehlers going off after a couple of ugly losses in Tampa and Florida. Kyle Connor doing the same thing just a few days later, right? Like the list goes on and on and on. And no other team in the NHL did that, despite having disappointing seasons and missing out on the playoffs. There, there were a number of teams that were in a similar boat to the Winnipeg Jets, right? I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights missed the playoffs, and, and they put more into this season. They spend more money than the Winnipeg Jets did, yet we didn't hear anywhere near the amount of negativity that we heard from the Winnipeg Jets players as, as to why things are the way they are. The Flyers were supposed to make the playoffs or, or push for a playoff spot this year. Literally everyone on that team regressed this season. Yet we didn't hear players openly attacking the culture and the way that things were being run on the team. But it was the Winnipeg Jets that were the only club doing so. And not only that, but the players were seemingly begging to be coach, <laughs> coach harder, right? Like they were asking for a little more discipline, and, and some help from management, I just don't see how that can be spun as, it's good to hear passion and energy from the players, you know, it, it shows that they care, if, if they didn't say things like that, we'd be worried, I, I just, I could not believe that was the route that they were willing to take on this, and and this is kind of where I become conflicted a little bit, right, because, I, I look, I do understand, and I think it's I think it's good business practice to an extent to not air your dirty laundry out in public, right? Like, I, I don't think it would have been good for Chevy to speak the honest truth there, right? You know, and, and we don't know what exactly the honest truth is, but it wouldn't be good to say, yeah, our leadership stinks, and it's because of guys that wear letters on their jerseys, and it's a complete failure by them, and we've got to find a way to fix that next year, right? Like, I, I don't think that helps anybody. So, I, I understand trying to paint a rosy picture to a really negative problem. But at the same time, I think it was really insulting to the intelligence of this fan base to speak about this issue the way that it was. That, that's what really bothers me about it. Jets fans are a smart group, and they just see right through crap like that. I think there's a time and a place for public airing of grievances it's Festivus in a situation like the Winnipeg Jets find themselves in and and I think I think it would have been good for the Jets to go a little more head on with this one and and tackle the issue and and just be honest with it right like I I think there was a medium a happy medium as to what was said and and maybe the cold hard honest truth all people want to hear fans and even the players at this point is just an acknowledgement that there is an awareness that there's a problem right now and if there was ever a time for a GM to come in and be a little hard when it comes to something like this it's when you're fresh off a three-year extension right like you've got some job security in your back pocket step up there and say you know what We are aware that there's a problem right now. We're going to address it head on. This will not be an issue moving forward. We can guarantee that. And this is going to be the last time that you hear about potential accountability and locker room issues. That's it. End of story. Doesn't have to be a three, four minute answer, a long diatribe or anything like that. Just a brief, short, cut to the point statement that this is going on. We're aware of it and it's not going to happen moving forward. I I think that would have went a long way towards building some good faith with the fan base. Now, having said that again, back to the whole conflicted thing is, ultimately, it doesn't matter a whole lot, does it? Right? Because the Jets can say whatever they want, but all that really matters is is their actions towards this. Right? So, you know, a lot of people will give them a failing grade for what was said, but despite that, if they go out this offseason... And bringing in a coaching staff that, you know, has a focus on accountability and improving the culture of the team. If they do that and and maybe make some personnel changes to also facilitate in that regard, you know, people aren't going to care game one of the season or or game 41 of the season or 81 of the season. They're not going to care what Chevy said back in April. If the team goes out and fixes these issues. So that that's the other part of it too. So I, I guess ultimately when it comes to that specific issue. <laughs> it's kind of more a disagreement in how to handle PR to be honest. The Jets are always going to be guarded. They're going to be hush-hush about certain things. And they're not going to speak about their team in a negative fashion. Myself personally, I think being a little honest and upfront and frank about your team goes a long way into building a good amount of trust with your fan base that that's fine but ultimately are they going to are they going to back up their actions with what needs to be done that's the main thing here that remains to be seen how that's going to be handled moving forward that we'll have to play the waiting game on that one now some other news of note from the press conference chevy has his first opportunity to deal with the mark shifley issue shifley all but demands a trade, doesn't say I demand a trade, but in a roundabout way says, I want to trade out of Winnipeg in his end of the year press conference, Chevy asked, has Mark Shifley demanded a trade to him just yet? And the answer is no. The funny part about this is the answer is no, because Chevy goes on to say that he hasn't spoken and and had his end of year meeting with Mark Shifley just yet. So like, there's a part of me that kind of wonders, ask me in 15 minutes, and the answer will change after I have this, it. you know what I mean? Like, the reason he hasn't demanded a trade yet is because I haven't spoken with him. But once we do, we will find out that there might be a party of ways sometime in the near future here. So, nothing really to touch on there yet. And, you know, in all honesty, that this is going to be something that we don't hear a lot of updates on until, what, two months away? It's not going to be a topic of discussion until the NHL postseason comes to an end and we head into the few weeks leading into the draft and before free agency. So we'll discuss this as we move forward, you know, over the next few weeks on this, on this podcast. And, and we're going to talk about, you know, potential landing spots. If a deal should be made, who could be coming back? All that will be to come, but ultimately we're probably a month and a half away from getting any kind of major news to break out of that. Now, the final thing to touch on about the whole press conference and everything actually wasn't even about the press conference itself, but just the fact that Kevin Chevalier very quietly to me, it seems like, was given a three-year extension by the club. So he's going to be, in theory, he's going to be running the controls for the team for another three seasons. I feel like not enough people are talking about should Kevin Chevalier have been given a three-year extension by the club? Should Chevy have been given three more years considering the season this team has just had or should a complete overhaul of everything Winnipeg Jets have happened this offseason? We'll get to that in just a sec. We'll break all that down, but before we do that, Let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Yeah, because as you might have known, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting couple of months in sports. Any new customer can bet $5 on any team to win. And you get $100 in free bets. No matter what, win or lose, you literally are being given $100 just by picking the result of a game. Now remember too, if DraftKings is not available in your state or province just yet, huge payouts every single day with free daily contests. On top of that, you can create your own parlays by combining multiple bets together to get your shot at an even bigger payout. So money all over the place when it comes to DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So the question that nobody is really talking about right now, should Kevin Sheveldayoff have been given a three-year extension by the club? Again, I am conflicted when it comes to what the Winnipeg Jets should or should have done here. And I guess it ultimately comes down to this for me. I think the Winnipeg Jets and Mark Chibman would have been fully justified in parting ways with Kevin Chevalier off. but I also understand why they did what they did and why they kept Kevin Chevalier off in the fold I do understand it like I think there is I think there is a logical explanation and, and you can make the case that you know what he's a good GM and he deserves he deserves another few seasons with the team that he's built I think you could make that case like I do think that I legitimately believe Kevin Chevalleyoff is a good general manager. I th- I think he's I think he's proven with the group that he's built here that he can I I don't know what ranking you want to put it in and, and it's always tough to do that because teams are in different situations in in terms of their you know are they rebuilding are they contending things like that but but Chevy it's difficult to build a winner in the NHL and while it might have been more brief than than some other franchises he's proven that he can do that and there's a lot of high-end talent on this team which is the hardest thing to find when it comes to building a professional hockey team he's found a way to do that he's got super skilled elite forwards offensively he's got one of the best goalies on the planet and and the cap picture is pretty rosy right like there's you know, if you take away the the RFAs and, and some of the, the trimmings on the roster going into next season, Chevy really has $14 million to work with to bring back Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and Paul Stasny. So so money is not an issue, and there's there's a decent amount to work with here. I, he's done a good job. Like, the, the foundation is there, right? Like, if you look at it on paper... The foundation has been built by Chevy to put this team in a pretty good spot moving forward. And you've got a full bevy of picks, essentially. You know, maybe a one second round pick or a fifth round pick missing over the next four or five years. Other than that, everything's there. So he's shown that he can he can build a team. And he's good at contracts. He's good at drafting. Free agency, meh. Trades, probably, you know, a net positive. Not, not the best, not the most savvy, wily dealer that there is, but he's done a good job there. But then you just get back to the elephant in the room. And it's, it's hard to ignore the fact that all that's gone wrong with this team, specifically when it comes to things like the culture, the lack of accountability, players wanting out, players retiring, players demanding trades, coaches resigning on a game day all that stuff has taken place under his watch and ultimately while you can make a case that the coaching staff has coddled players and are somewhat to blame for what's going on here and you could blame the players for that as well ultimately that all falls on management like that just end of story there's blame to go around in other places for sure but you're essentially the CEO of this team, and if there are issues in that department, that falls on your shoulders. And so it's interesting that the Winnipeg Jets are tasking Kevin Shevelday off to fix the mess the Winnipeg Jets are in. They believe he's the right guy to do that, but the mess that he's trying to fix is the one that he created. So... (laughs) I can, I, I totally, I, I really do understand both sides in this. It did feel like this was a good opportunity if you were going to go for a full organizational reset and overhaul and start a new page, this would have been the time to do it. Obviously, Mark Chibin and company felt otherwise and they very well may end up being justified in doing so. But I can totally understand some trepidation and hesitation From the fan base on this because can the guy that put this team in this spot really be the one to fix it if he's been blind to some of the issues that have been persisting for not just this season but a number of seasons now I think it's fair for the fan base to have a decent amount of doubt in that we're going to switch gears here quickly or we'll wrap up this episode in just a little bit but just a few more notes we'll move away from the management side of things for just a second Um, But before we talk about the NHL postseason that's a few days underway now, Elliot Friedman decided to kick the hornet's nest a little bit as well, as if Winnipeg Jets fans didn't have enough to complain about. The first few names in the coaching rumor mill were unveiled by Elliot Friedman in his latest 32 Thoughts podcast. You know, probably on Tuesday's episode, we'll talk about the written version, and maybe there will be a few more nuggets to unleash. But Elliot Freeman tossed out a couple names. Now, how likely are they to be the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets next season? I don't know that. I I, I don't even know if they're atop the pecking order. But the names that were thrown out there, obviously, Winnipeg hockey fans will have, you know, a, a ton of knowledge of because they're well versed in the community here. But the names he threw out were Randy Carlisle and Scott Arneal. For those maybe unfamiliar with their credentials, obviously Randy Carlisle, longtime Winnipeg Jets defenseman, Norris Trophy winner, longtime coach of the Manitoba Moose before ultimately winning a Stanley Cup with the Anaheim Ducks. He's been out of coaching for almost five years now after uh, an, a rough second tenure with the Anaheim Ducks. Scott Arneal, meanwhile, again, former Winnipeg Jet, longtime employee of True North. Goes over to Columbus 10 years ago, fills in as an interim coach, almost gets the Blue Jackets to the playoffs in his almost full season with them then, but was then fired midseason after the team sputtered and couldn't find a way to make their first ever postseason appearance. Now he's been an assistant coach with the Washington Capitals, was an assistant coach with the New York Rangers as well in his decades since being a head coach, albeit very brief at the NHL level. Initial thoughts on this. I think I echo a lot of the fan base sentiment in that it is a little bit unnerving and a little bit disappointing that the first two names that are brought up in the coaching search seem to be brought up because they have connections with the Winnipeg and Truroth market. If the Winnipeg Jets are putting an emphasis on a coach needing to have ties with the city on needing to have ties with the organization as a whole, I think it's a major mistake. Catastrophic might be too harsh of a word, but I, I would I would put it leaning towards that ballpark there. Look, for me, I think the Jets made a I think the Jets missed a big opportunity when Paul Marie stepped down to not bring in an outside voice to be the interim head coach. I think this organization desperately needs a breath of fresh air, a new perspective, a new set of eyes to come in and try to fix some of these issues and get this team back into contention. And if you're going down just the route of connections to this market are important, I think you're eliminating a really wide, valuable pool of candidates that you should be talking to and and you should be interviewing and you should be getting ideas from. I, I just think it's very limiting and... I can understand wanting to have that, but to me, the Winnipeg Jets should be going into this process and not asking a single freaking question about what your ties to Winnipeg are and whether or not you know or have worked or have any knowledge about True North whatsoever. Like That, that shouldn't even be a discussion point. If you want it to be a tiebreaker, fine, <laughs> that's okay. But it shouldn't be the the impetus and the first requirement on the resume to find the next head coach here. Because, you know, in a funny way, while a lot of people soured on him at the, the end of his tenure, Paul Maurice was that guy for the Winnipeg Jets replacing Claude Noel. Paul Maurice came in, gave a new perspective, brought a level of, you know, professionalism, a level of experience that Claude Noël didn't have. And he took this team to new heights relatively quickly. I think that is the blueprint the Winnipeg Jets should be following here, is bring somebody outside the organization who has a ton of ideas, who you think or know is going to put his stamp on this team, bring in some accountability, bring in a modern look at the game, bring in a level of defensive structure we haven't seen in quite some time, maybe ever in in Winnipeg 2.0. And that's the guy to lead the team into the future. That's what I want to see. I don't care. I I could care less about how much time they've spent in Winnipeg. I don't even want to know that. I, I just want the guy that's right for the job. And that should be the main focus for the Winnipeg Jets. The same way that you draft the best player available, pick the best coach available. That should be the modus operandi for the Winnipeg Jets in their head coaching search. Maybe it ends up being Arneal or Carlisle. It's just not the most promising start in this development. So we'll we'll keep an eye on this as we move forward in any new developments, any new names that are being thrown out there. There might be a couple that uh, get the axe after the first round of the postseason. We'll keep an eye on that in, in future episodes to come. Now quickly to wrap it up here, let's do a quick NHL playoff roundup. We're pretty much a few games into every series right now in the NHL so let's take a look at some of the big storylines to come out of the first round so far now the most intriguing series going into this for me and remains so after two games has been Lightning Maple Leafs all tied up at one heading back to Tampa Bay you could argue that Tampa Bay is in the driver's seat right now in this series because they split the first two in Toronto but I'll I'll tell you what, you have to feel a little bit more confident about the Maple Leafs' chances in this series now, even with the series at 1-1, as opposed to before this series began, because the Leafs have been playing some damn good hockey, got into some penalty trouble in game two, but my god, that, that game one performance was pretty impressive, and to see, you know, Matthews has been pretty decent, you know, the same concerns don't necessarily apply to him, but he was an absolute force. By the way, in game two, he had a freaking 180-foot back check on Steven Stamkos to break up a scoring chance, just in case anybody in this market wants to to learn how you can be a 200-foot player and not sacrifice any offense. He then went back the other way and got a scoring chance for the Leafs. He's been great, but seeing Mitch Marner elevate his game to a new level has been extremely fun. I, I've loved the Mitch Marner I've seen through two games of this series against the lighting. And the thing, you know, I, I knew this before, but maybe it was just a bit of a refresher. He's a hell of a penalty killer. And it, it, it kind of maybe gives you a bit of a glimpse as to what Kyle Connor could be, you know, moving forward. An elite offensive weapon, but somebody that can be, you know, he has been this season. But I you wonder if maybe he could take that to another level going into next year. You know, Cal Connor sharpening up his his defensive play and, you know, making himself even more dangerous than he already is. But that series has been fantastic so far, and I don't really have a sense of which way it's going to go. Vasilevsky looks like an absolute wall back there, but the Maple Leafs have been... They, they've been maybe a bit more impressive than even I might have anticipated. So it'll be fascinating to see how the rest of that series progresses. The other matchup, the other few matchups out east... The Panthers all even at one against the Washington Capitals. You know, definitely less confident about the Panthers after their first few games against the Capitals, although I think they're going to find a way to uh, sharpen up and maybe close that one out sooner than later. Penguins-Rangers, the game of the playoffs so far, game one. Shosturkin remains out of his mind, and clearly the best goalie in the NHL right now. But you do wonder just how much those tired legs might harm an older team like the Pittsburgh Penguins going into the rest of the series. But Sidney Crosby has been vintage Crosby. You know, sports hate him, but he's been great so far. I don't know if New York's going to have an answer for them. But the Penguins aren't getting anything from the rest of their lineup. So I still anticipate that one to be a long series. Kind of too tough to call right now which direction that one's going to go. The final one... Yeah, it looks like this is going to be my biggest whiff of round one. But the Hurricanes are just absolutely taking the Bruins to the woodshed. Like they are it has been an absolute demolition derby through two games there. The goalie change, it kind of feels like that's shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. Carolina has been, I think, the best team so far this postseason. And facing either the Rangers or the Penguins in round two, you you could potentially make the case that the The Carolina Hurricanes all of a sudden might have one of the easier paths to a Final Four spot in the NHL. Out west, meanwhile, the Pacific has been—it's been kind of meh for me so far. I I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but Oilers Kings has been—it's just been okay. You know, I I do expect the Kings to make this a much more challenging series. That I you know I I said it was going to go seven before the playoffs started. You know, I I still do maintain that, and I think the Kings have every chance to go through this. Edmonton, a nice bounce back, but nothing too impressive so far from them. Flame Stars so far has proven to be, and I think they're going to run away with this one, the most boring series of the first round. I guess if you like paint drying and a lack of scoring chances, the series for you, but there, it, it might be a race to two each and every game in this series. Like There might not be a game that we see more than four goals scored. Surprisingly, Dallas finds a way to win game two. That one's all tied up at one going back to Texas. I still like Calgary to win this one and, and maybe to win it relatively soon here. But there's just not really a whole lot to talk about when it comes to Flame stars as of yet. In the Central Division, though... My God, the Colorado Avalanche curb stomp the Predators in Game One. That series is probably going to play out as literally everybody on the planet anticipated it to. And Wild Blues has been a ton of fun. I I love watching this series, and I I, I kind of have a bit of a I've got a bit of a man crush on Minnesota. I I really like the way that they play hockey. They're tough as hell. They've got a ton of talent though. The barn's hopping. It. it I guess it, it kind of, you know, makes me wish the Winnipeg Jets were playing that way. That that would, hey, fi- find your Dean, you want to talk about coaching, find your Dean Everson Winnipeg, because he's got the Wild playing exactly the right way. And, and that would be, that would be right up a lot of Jets fans alley, right? Where you're a tough physical team to play against, but you've still got a ton of skill and you can put up a sixth spot against one of the better teams in the NHL. I still like the Wild to come out of that series, but might be a little bit tighter than than I might have anticipated here, and it'll be interesting, you know, so was great in Game One, not so great in Game Two. You do wonder if and when Craig Berube pulls the the trump card and throws out a Stanley Cup winning goaltender into the crease. If there is a little bit more of struggles from from Ville Huso, Jordan Binnington waiting in the wings is a fun little storyline that I wouldn't mind seeing play out over the course of the rest of that series. But a pretty damn good start. To the opening round of the NHL playoffs, love the staggered start times, and while some people haven't liked the officiating so far, and there's been there's always going to be missed calls and everything like that, I do like that there's been more penalties called. Like I I do at least there's some semblance of trying to call it the same way as in the regular season, right? Like there hasn't been too many games where there's been one or two penalties called, and it's essentially Football out there on ice. I think you know from an NHL perspective, it's been a really solid, promising start to the postseason. Let's hope it continues to play out over the next month, month and a half or so. Uh, but that's gonna do it for the episode here. We'll we'll call it a wrap there. So thank you guys so much for listening once again to Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll get back at it on a Tuesday. Some more off-season talk coming your way. And I think what we'll do to kick everything off is let's take a look at coaching names. Who could be the potential candidates? Who could be the, I guess, fourth head coach in Jets 2.0 history? Who's the frontrunner? Who you should be excited for? Who you should maybe want to stay away from? We'll get into all that and some more NHL playoff talk as well when we get back at it on Tuesday. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening once again. Have a safe and happy weekend. Enjoy the great weather. Have a great time. Try to be safe and have fun. We'll be back at it on Tuesday morning. Until then, peace.